All right, good morning. You could make your way back to uh, your seats or someone else's seat. It's okay. We're in a series, as you know, following Jesus, his life and teaching. And um, each week we're giving out a handout. That handout should be coming around soon, hopefully, for next Sunday. That will be handed out and would uh, encourage you to join us um, in looking at those during a devotional time this week. And, uh, that's uh, hopefully help you then as we come together to discuss those texts. We're going to stay in John uh, for the next few weeks up until Easter. Um, material just kind of fell that way, and as I prayed and asked the Holy Spirit what He kind of wanted to do, I had left some gaps in the series and feel like that this material is, uh, is good for us uh, and there's a flow with it. So, this morning... We are looking at the continuation uh, of a story uh, that we looked at about three weeks ago, I think, where Jesus uh, healed a man who had been an invalid for 38 years and unable to walk, and as wonderful a thing as that was, um, the religious leaders were very unhappy with Jesus for working by healing on the Sabbath. So we're going to look at this, and Jesus responds to their uh, concerns uh, by describing that his actions actually were done with his heavenly Father. So let's read that text from uh, John 5, 15 through 20, and then uh, adding verse 30. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews started persecuting Jesus because he was doing such things on the Sabbath. Can you imagine? But Jesus answered them, my father is still working and I also am working. For this reason, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but was also calling God his own father, thereby making himself equal to God. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. The Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing, and He will show Him greater works than these, so that you will be astonished. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my will, but the will of Him who sent me. So before we head into that, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your ongoing teaching us about this eternal life that you invite us to, an eternal life that includes relationship with you and the Father and the Spirit. And so as we look at how you, Jesus, and you, Papa, related in uh, Jesus' description, might we grasp and lay hold of the invitation that we too 
would do only what we see you doing? Would you help us to go beyond the familiar of what we've known before here from these uh, verses and to find in them the fullness of new life that you speak of in this whole chapter relative to eternal life? Holy Spirit, help us. Might we hear your voice in Jesus' name. Let it be so. So I want to spend our time this morning noticing and considering the relationship between Jesus and the Father. And uh, it's, it's vital, I think, for us to lay hold of some of the things that are here. Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at Jesus' relationship with us that in many ways parallels what we're going to see in this text. And then in uh, future weeks, we will uh, go beyond that uh, into relationship with one another. But Jesus says, my father is still working and I also am working. Keep in mind, this is his response to their complaint that he is working on the Sabbath. So here is his response. My father is still working, or as another translation says it, my father is always working. And so am I. Now, if they caught that, that could be really problematic for their understanding and their theology. Okay, the Sabbath, you're not supposed to work. That's what they understood. That work went even beyond that to carrying a mat, carrying a water jug, um, all kinds of crazy ways that they had explained it. And Jesus comes along and says in the answer, to, well, you know, the reality is God's working today and so am I. Honoring the Sabbath, you may remember, was the fourth of the Ten Commandments. Surely Jesus would not have been one to violate one of the Ten Commandments. Rather, it would seem that what Jesus had done in healing on the Sabbath, as he did numerous times, was not, in fact, a violation of the fourth commandment. So I felt some leading to remind us of that text and look at it and just kind of see what, what, what is this tension here about work on the Sabbath. I think we too might have some confusion about it. So here's what it says in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember, remember, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, which means set apart, different. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it, made it holy. Now, in my reading of this, it sounds like God is talking about the work or the labor that we do for our livelihood and our family's provision. It sounds to me like he's talking about our, our job that we might have and do, say, Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday or Sunday through Thursday or whenever the days fall that we do our work. 
Some of us work multiple days in a row, and then we're off for a while, and then we go back to work. To me, that's what it sounds like he's describing here in this text. And it's interesting to me that he speaks not only of the husband and wife, but also their son and daughter, their male or female slaves, their livestock, even the non-Jewish resident in their home. What he's saying is not only should husbands and wives have a day of rest, but so should their children. Think adult children, working animals, their employees who probably might have been those aliens living in their town that they've hired. Can you imagine hearing, can you imagine someone hearing this commandment, had it not said anything about children and employees, saying, awesome, I get to take a day off from work each week, but I'm still going to have my kids, adult children, my work animals who plow, and my employees, they all get to work seven days a week. But not me, I get a day off. Well, no, that's not the point here. So to me, it seems pretty clear that God's talking about the work week, not not doing anything. Does that make sense to you guys? But what the Jewish leaders at the time of Jesus were saying is that carrying your mat, Helping another person is work, and it's to be abstained from on the Sabbath. And remember, Jesus was a carpenter. I'm pretty confident that at least up until he began his ministry, he probably didn't work doing carpentry on the Sabbath. And for him, healing a lame man or a man with a paralyzed arm was not work. It was loving care, the loving care of a loving God who is always at work caring for human beings. And just as Jesus' loving Father was always actively caring for people, so was Jesus. So it's funny how we can go down odd paths of our understanding of Scripture sometimes. I think we too can find our way askew at times. So what does that mean for us? Well, I I think it means we need to have days where we don't work, where we focus on God. I don't think it matters what day that is. I think it can be portions of days. Some of our schedules are odd. But I think the point is to connect with God. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing on His own, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Now, because these are so familiar words to us, I think we may not hear their significance. So let me translate this sort of into uh, our own context and mine in particular. Imagine that what uh, Jesus said here was something along the lines of, I can do nothing on my own, but only what I see my boss doing, and whatever my boss does, I do also. Now, someone might say, well, that's, that's kind of wasteful. Probably not all that productive. If I were to only do what I see my boss doing, and I only do what my boss is doing, then, well, we together will only do one person's work. 
Keep in mind that we've grown up in a society that highly values independence and self-reliance. In fact, we roared independence, those who can get the job done without the need of others. Jesus, on the other hand, grew up in a society that valued the family relationship, working together, and interdependence. Jesus was raised in a carpenter's home and was taught working beside his stepfather Joseph, doing what he saw Joseph doing. In so doing, together, they got Joseph's work done twice as fast than what he could have done alone. And so I think that a key point in this is what, what is this, what's the core outcome of work? In our society, productivity, the work, the product, are primary. But in Jesus' society, relationship is primary and the work a means unto it. I can do nothing on my own, but only what I see my Father doing. The Son can do nothing on His own. As a way to perhaps better understand this relationship between Jesus and the Father, I want to look a little deeper into what Jesus is saying in these words that He says twice in this passage. While we might be tempted to think Jesus doesn't mean this literally, I think he does. And as a result, he's telling us something very important about his relationship with the Father. And as a model for us, what our relationship with God could be, perhaps is supposed to be. Jesus did nothing on his own. Everybody say that out loud with me. Jesus did nothing on his own. I think nothing means nothing. I think that. I'm not sure. I didn't look at the Greek to make sure, but... You know, we might be tempted to think that this this is impossible. You know, if someone told you, I cannot do anything on my own, but everything I do, I do with my spouse. You would know that they really don't mean that. Because no one does everything with another person. It's not physically or logistically possible. In fact, you wouldn't want to. There are circumstances and situations where, you you know what? Let's just not do that with anyone else. But in the spiritual, in the non-physical, intimate relationship Jesus had with the Father, he not only could do everything with the Father, that is in fact how he lived. He did nothing on his own. There's a a passage, wait, I'm sorry, Um, Everything Jesus did. Think about what Jesus did. He healed the sick. He, he did the whole food into, uh, you know, multiplied the food thing that was referenced this morning. Uh, he walked on water. Everything he did, he did with the Father. 
because of this spiritual connected intimate relationship that's different than the physical material that we are so familiar with. And I believe that it is that to some degree that, that makes it hard for us to have relationship with God because we're, we're very oriented around the senses, physical touch, sight, hearing. But Jesus obviously has a relationship with the Father that is different than that, and we too are invited into that. But how do we do that? Well, let's see how Jesus does. There's a passage that I've highlighted uh, frequently over the last uh, year or so, Romans 8, 5 through 11, that I think begins to get us a some, somewhere down the path of what does this look like and what does it mean. Paul says, those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh material. But those who are according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. The flesh, as described here, is what we, what we can do on our own. It's living by or according to my power, my understanding of life. And Paul says that the focus of such a person is upon the physical, the material world that's seen. That's what we have in front of us. It makes sense. But the outcome of such a life that leaves out the spiritual, lived according to what we can do only on our own, is death. It's perishing, as Jesus called it. The Spirit, in contrast, is what we can do with God. It's living by or according to my action, my understanding, but along with God's power, God's action and understanding. And the focus of one who is focused on the Spirit and the spiritual realm upon what is unseen, the outcome of that kind of life is eternal life. That's relationship with God. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they know you, that they have intimate, connected relationship with you. This is not something that we're supposed to occasionally experience. This isn't something that we kind of got initiated into a long time ago and occasionally we'll have sort of encounters with God or things like that. No. We're invited into eternal life, eternal relationship with God. As I have called it, the with God life. And Jesus is talking about that life in this text. I do nothing but what I, but I, do nothing but what I see the Father doing. I can do nothing on my own. Jesus made a choice. I believe he had a choice in this. And I believe that he is describing and demonstrating for us the kind of life that he is wanting for us. Yesterday, I was working on a project. And it dawned on me a while into working on it that I had not in any way thought to include or ask God for his involvement. It was an arena where 
I, I know some stuff, not everything, but I know stuff, and I was just doing it, and all of a sudden it sort of dawned on me, I haven't, goodness gracious, I haven't asked you what you think, Lord. I, I hadn't paused to say, do you want to give me any input? Honestly, I felt embarrassed. That is the thing that I am most working on in my life is living my life in a constant awareness and invitation for God to be with me, for me to notice it. This thing was something related to the care of another person. It was a good thing, a loving thing. But as far as my thoughts and actions, I was doing it on my own. I have a belief, and I'm sure you do as well, that even when I'm doing something on my own, God's still with me. But as to my orientation, I was working from my flesh, from what I could do on my own. And what's interesting is when I paused to incline my thoughts to God and the Spirit, I sensed leading to choose a different path than the path I was going. And I'm thankful to get that input because my own understanding's limited and God's is not. Why in the world would we not want to ask God, God, do you have any input for me? If we don't hear anything, it's okay. I think what he's looking for with faith is simply, God, do you have something to say? Would you like to direct me here? Could you help me with this? One, I think we can, by faith, trust and believe that he wants to do that. I think most scripture speaks of that pretty clearly. But secondarily, won't it be better than what we can do on our own? Jesus said, I do nothing on my own. Everything he did, he did with the Father and with the Spirit. And that's a model for us. Another thing Jesus says about his relationship with the Father is, I seek not my will, but the will of him who sent me. Now, clearly, Jesus could have had a different will than the Father. Now, this, this gets all into what does it mean to be one, uh, what, the, the nature of the... The relationship between humanity and deity of Christ and all that gets a little weird here. But apparently, to me, I've always sort of thought that, but apparently Jesus could have sought to do his own will. The word will in this verse includes in it the meaning or the idea of desire or even pleasure, which would make it sound something like this. I do not seek my own pleasures and desires, but the pleasures and desires of my Father who sent me. I'm not looking out for myself. I'm looking out to see what God's doing. And that's what I want to do. In John 4, 34, Jesus said, My food, that which provides sustenance, and source and supply to my body for doing all that it does. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to teleos his work, to complete, to accomplish, to do what the Father's doing. 
that which nourishes and sustains him is doing the will and work of the Father. Now, in our Christian experience, we think and talk a lot about God's will. We pray and think about learning or identifying God's will and doing it. We would all say, yes, I want to do God's will. And I think perhaps maybe we think of it in a variety of different ways, one of which might be a little bit like a soldier who might learn what their commanding officer's plan or will is and then carry it out. But I don't think that's what's going on here with Jesus and the Father. I don't see Jesus sort of like getting his orders and then doing them. When he says, I do nothing on my own, I, what I see is Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit in a, in a partnership, in a, in a team effort. All are acting, doing, and working together always. It's their modus operandi. And I think what's important, what I'm hoping that we can get in all of this, that this is not only the way Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit operated, but it is, in fact, the model for how we're to live. We've been designed from the factory, you might say, for relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with others. It's, it's in our DNA. It's the way we're wired. We have been designed to live a with God life. That, I believe, is what Adam and Eve had before the fall. And death, the consequence of sin, is a separation, a breaking of the connectedness of those relationships. And it is what we struggle with from our earliest years of life. We have within us a drive to have the world the way I want it. And on its own, that will lead us to being alone. It will separate us from God. It will separate us from others. And what I want to invite you to what I think God is inviting us all to are to learn new patterns and ways of living and doing where we practice setting aside independence and set aside self-reliance and begin to practice choosing to include God in all we do and doing all that we do with Him. Now, does that take rethinking? Does that take a different mindset? It does. So we need to repent. Because repent, repent means change your way of thinking. Or, as Dallas Willer says it, think about your thinking and then change your thinking. We are, we are living on this planet primarily as individuals, and that is not who you are. You are primarily and first of all a human being in relationship to other human beings and to God. It's my desire that we as a people, as a community, 
would be those of whom could be said, wow, you know, they just everything they do, they do it with God. Every decision they make, they make it with God. Every action they take has been done with God. You know, the cool thing about that is we won't sin a whole lot if we're doing it with God, right? We, we may not hurt as many people if we're speaking with God, if we're viewing other people the way God views them because we're wanting to invite Him into our thinking, we might not be so judgmental, judgmental and critical. It's, I, I want us to become a people that no longer live according to the flesh, what we can do on our own, in our own power and understanding, and become those who live according to the Spirit, what we can do with God and with His power and understanding. So I'm going to invite us uh, for a moment to just uh, be still and, and quiet and consider uh, what I've shared with us, to think about your own life, think about your own decisions that you've made this week, things you are involved in, things you've done. Think about where God was. Where was God in all that? That's one of the points of the examine. The examine is a spiritual exercise that's usually done at the end of the day or the first thing in the morning, and it's a review of the day before. How'd I do with connecting with God? Or how didn't I do <laughs> connecting with God? How'd I do at loving others? And so that's what I kind of want you to do. I, I want you to take a moment, experience the spiritual practice of the examine, doesn't, you could do it for just yesterday. That would be fine. Um, you might be this last week. And, and think about it relative to how, how well were you connecting with God? Were you doing what God was doing? And having God with you in what you were doing? Man, I think life would be way different if we could do that. I'm finding it helpful, for sure. So take a moment now, if you would, and just... Reflect on yesterday, reflect on this past week, and then look ahead and interact with God. Say, God, you know what? I've got the rest of this day ahead of me, and then I've got tomorrow and the next day. What would it look like for me to live those hours with you? So take some time. Connect with God. Connect with your own life. Grow in some self-awareness and God-awareness. And I'll close this out in a couple minutes. Jesus, thank you for showing us the way. Not just dying on the cross or raising again not just teaching or preaching at us, but showing us. Teach us teaching us about the relationship you had with the Father. And 
give us pictures and words and language for what that might be like. And this isn't easy, and you know that. We're so sensory. We're so given to the senses, the seeing and touching and hearing and tasting. But that's not the way we're going to relate to you. It's going to be on a different plane. It's, it's in a different reality. It's in this spiritual realm, which is, is foreign. It's a foreign world. It's a foreign way. But we've experienced it. We've felt your touch. We've heard your voice. We've experienced you helping us. So would you just help us to do that more? To be those who are according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh? Not according to the material? Would you help us, Holy Spirit, to learn to see and hear and think in the spiritual? You live in us so that that can that you can help us. So would you help us to want you to help us? Thank you for your life. Oh God. In Jesus name we pray. Let it be so. We'll have uh, some folks up here that would love the chance to pray with you if you're facing circumstances in your life. Most of you are. I'm aware of it. I know most of your stories. We would love to pray with you, come alongside and be um, God with you in the sense of a brother and a sister with you, uh, pray with you and to um, help you in your journey. Thanks for joining us this week, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week.